0: Hey, a quick message for those of you who are listening to this episode on Spotify. I have a small favor to ask. Spotify now allows mobile users to rate podcasts. I would really appreciate it if you can take a quick pause to go to the Techly Journal podcast page and leave your favorite show, your best rating on Spotify. It will help me a lot to get this podcast to reach more people on the platform. Thanks a lot. Today's clip is from Tech Journal, episode 76, with Vladik Kononov, the author of Learning Domain-Driven Design. In this clip, Vladik shared why understanding business domain is crucial in software engineering and how DDD can help build the shared understanding between the domain experts and software engineers. Vlad also explained the importance of DDD's strategic design. So I read that particular preface in the book as well. Your story about starting in this new company, and you thought that you will learn a lot of things about software and the business logic, which apparently was not emphasized. And actually, DDD actually emphasized this importance of business logic or domain in this particular sense. Why do you think domain is still the key thing in software? Because these days, a lot of technologies, right? So there are plenty, abundant frameworks, programming language, cloud, whatever that is. Why do you think business logic is still the key in this modern era?
1: Yeah. So business logic is part of software for a reason. It's the reason software is being built. You're not building a software to demonstrate how fast and scalable your database is or how sexy your user interface is. You're building a software for solving a particular business problem. This problem can be making someone more efficient, streamlining business processes, Nowadays, many businesses are built on software. That's their business domain. So that's where business logic steps in. If you've got everything right except for business logic, you'll get technology demo for a computer game. It looks nice, but you're looking at it for a few minutes and then you get bored because it's meaningless. (laughs) So you also mentioned in the book that
0: actually DDD brings not just software developers as the important actors in the software development lifecycle but actually also the business domain experts. Tell us more about this. Why business domain experts should be involved in the overall software development lifecycle?
1: Yeah. So that's actually the biggest lie of software engineering. And it's to be a software engineer, you have to write code. And I am an introvert to the bone. After some time realized, hey, we're not writing code for the sake of writing code. We're writing code to solve a problem for someone. This someone, they are domain experts. There are people who have the most knowledge about the business domain that we are modeling and implementing in code. So in order to efficiently solve that problem, we have to communicate with them, to talk with them, we have to be effective in that communication and collaboration with people. <laughs> so software engineering is not only about code. That's why interactions with domain experts play a key role in implementing software. You have to make sure that you understand the problem you're solving. That's critical. You cannot provide a software solution without understanding the problem first. Either it's going to be a wrong solution or it's going to be a right solution, but for a different problem. And both are useless. Yep. And there's a critical
0: point in the book that you mentioned as well. If you fail to understand the business problem or maybe the problem per se the user problems or the customer problems you will eventually write a sub optimal solutions even though your technology might be advanced the most advanced in the current era but your software is always sub optimal what do you mean by this can technology actually solve how your software is being written why it's always be sub optimal
1: yeah so if we take this name of this methodology domain driven design I prefer to expand it a bit and say business domain driven software design. So we have three components here. First of all, we have business domain that we have to grasp. We have to understand. Second, we have software design. That's what we are building here. And we have that word driven in the middle, which means in mathematical language, it's like software design equals function of business domain. So if you don't get that business domain right, then you'll get the wrong software design. First of all, it is going to affect the logic of your code. As I said, you may be solving the wrong problem, or you may be trying to solve the correct problem, but in an inefficient ways. Second, as domain-driven design guides us, there are quite a few design decisions that we're basing upon that knowledge of business domains. So that's strategic design decisions, like what are the coarse-grained components that we're going to use to implement our system? How are they going to communicate with each other? How we allocate that work to software engineering teams. And we have technical design decisions, like what design patterns we're going to use to implement each component, how we're going to implement its business logic, how we're going to orchestrate the interactions of different parts of a component, it's our internal architecture. Of course, we have high level architecture, how components are working with each other. And that also has implications both on strategic and technical level. Now, if we get that business domain knowledge wrong, that's a good opportunity to make some wrong decisions, both strategic and tactical ones. So that's, in my opinion, why we have to make sure that we have enough knowledge of the problem domain before we're even trying to design a solution for it.
0: And sometimes what I can see as well as software developers, I mean, we are all clever people, right? We also sometimes think of imaginary problems or imaginary solutions. We think that, oh, it will be cool if the most typical one is something happens in atomic fashion. So everything is just one transaction. It will be real-time, cool, and people will just see the result as soon as possible, but sometimes business process doesn't work this way. It's okay to have some delay, and that's why we have more event-driven architecture, asynchronous, and things like that. And this leads to a lot of things that we know software projects tend to fail. Traditionally, we all learn about that. Maybe 50% or more of software projects are failing. Do you think by domain-driven design, this crisis can actually be solved?
1: Yeah, I actually believe that. (laughs) So if we look for reasons why so many software projects fail, if you look at studies that were conducted on this topic, you'll see that quite a few of them, if not all of them, fail because of communication issues or something related to communication. It can be communication between team members, communication between software engineers and Domain experts, communication issues between management and engineering teams. The core principle of domain-driven design is building a shared understanding between the different stakeholders of the project so that they can speak and reason about that software system in the same language. In DDD lingo, it's called ubiquitous language. Once we will be able to facilitate communication in the same language, without the need for multiple translations, before a knowledge reaches its destination, everything will be way more efficient. That can solve us lots of rework, lots of wrong assumptions, and eventually, I believe it will lead to more successful software projects. And it probably
0: also could help in translating the changes in the business as well. So let's say these days, everything gets disrupted easily. If you really understand the business domain and use the same understanding, the shared understanding, like what you mentioned, the ubiquitous language and maybe the business process, maybe you can also adapt your software easily. You can use the same terms, same understanding, even your software, the code, the classes, maybe the objects are named similarly. So you can actually probably adapt to the changes pretty much easier because the business domains, the business understanding and software developers understanding basically are the same. Am I right to say that actually the case, what DDD is trying to solve?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's as well, because everything changes, especially if you are working for a startup. In many cases, the startup is new. Not only that we as software engineers have no idea how to implement that in the most efficient way, but business people have no idea how they're going to solve a certain problems that they are focusing on. They know that, hey, that's something that we want to do. How are we going to do it? We are going to iterate, we're going to test a few solutions until we find the most optimal one, and guess what, (laughs) during that time period, everything is going to change, that understanding of the business domain is going to evolve. Not only you are going to learn more and more about it, but those business people, those domain experts, they're going to learn as well. As they gain more knowledge, that has to be reflected in software design decisions. So going back to that formula of software design equals function of business domain. If that component business domain changes, it has to be reflected in software design. There can be many types of changes starting from maybe a more efficient way to describe the business domain, a better terminology, a better understanding of the business processes, like what you just said about transaction boundaries, for example, what should be strongly consistent, what can be eventually consistent. But also the whole business domain can change. Now, it's not unusual for a company to start with one business goal and change it along the way, because the previous one wasn't financially viable, for example. Software project that was implemented in the first reincarnation of the company is not necessarily relevant for the new one, because business domain may change, its subdomains may change, everything can change. It has to be reflected in software design. Failing to react to changes in business domain will occur technical debt over time. And eventually it will lead you to a very big technical debt and a big
0: ball of mud. And typically then engineers will say, yeah, we need to rewrite the whole thing again. So starting from scratch, that's like the typical (laughs) problem in the software industry. So you mentioned that we have two things in DDD, right? What is called strategic design and also tactical design. Throughout my journey learning about DDD as well, I typically started from the tactical design. I mean, just to be honest with everyone here, I started with, oh, I can see repository, use case, service pattern, it looks cool. And I even started from a framework back then. It's like Spring Framework. They have all these terms in the framework. So I started from there. I learned the Eric Evans books as well. So that's where probably people started as the first path towards domain-driven design. But actually along the way, as I learned about it, the most important part is actually the strategic design. Can you tell us more about strategic design? What is it actually about and why it is much more important than the tactical design?
1: Yeah, first of all, I fully agree with you. I think that strategic design is way more important because you can write pretty successful project while incorporating only strategic design decisions. But if you're focusing only on technical design decisions, well, that's probably not going to end well, at least in my experience. I wrote a chapter in the book about my story of applying domain-driven design in that company, pretty similar to what you just said. I read four chapters of the blue book and let's get started. Let's model everything as an aggregate. So strategic design, what is it? First of all, strategic design is about creating a shared understanding between software engineers and business domain experts. It's about cultivating that shared language and shared understanding. Now, to do that, there are a few requirements from that language that you're using in communication. Its main requirement is each term should have one and only one meaning. People, unlike software, they are so unpredictable sometimes. They can say one thing but means something else, because the context is different. We cannot allow that when taking software design decisions. We have to make sure that every piece of knowledge is explicit. So domain-driven design says, hey, when you have such ubiquitous language that depends on context, model it explicitly in code. Define the context in which that language applies. It's a bounded context. That's the name of the pattern, bounded context. And that's the first strategic design decision. It ensures that you have a model encompassed by the bounded context, which is clear. Each of its terms has only one meaning. Now, many, because of some historical issues and mistakes, think that a bounded context is necessarily a microservice. That's not true. A bounded context is rather your biggest valid monolith because it encompasses a model that has no conflicts in it. You can decompose it further, but that's a different discussion. But the idea is to find those boundaries that ensure that you have a correct model in it without no conflicts or collisions. So that's your first strategic design decision. You are deciding what you're going to implement. What is the business domain and what are the core components of your system that you're going to build. Second, a system doesn't build itself. (laughs) For that, we need us, software engineers. In any organization, there can be either one team of people or multiple teams of people working on the same project. And that again affects how you design those bounded contexts because they have to interact with each other. Now, let's say you have two bounded contexts implemented by two different teams. Think of two examples. In the first case, they have a really good collaboration between them. They're like two teams, but they understand that they're going to succeed or fail together. So they're really trying to care for each other. If there are some integration conflicts, they're going to just go ahead and fix it without making much drama about it. Now let's fast forward to same company, lots of money, and suddenly they became a huge enterprise. And again, we have two teams working on two different bounded contacts. Now, suddenly there is no such good collaboration between the teams. One team asks to modify the integration interface, and now you have drama. Now you have meetings, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And that of course postpones the release. It negatively affects the progress, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Well, the management design says, hey, that's something you have to take into account when you're designing those components, how they're going to be integrated. So for example, in the first case, the pattern can be partnership. Those teams they are partners. They're interested in succeeding together. In the second case, one of the customer supplier patterns might be a better choice because they provide that certain level of isolation between the teams so that the changes won't propagate across the integration interface and cause all that drama. So that's the second strategic design decision that we're making according to both business domain and the structure of our teams. Going back to our previous discussion, the structure of engineering teams can change as well two teams can be in partnership in the beginning but a few years later they will be like enemies of each other <laughs> that should affect the way those bounded contexts are integrated with each other that's an important design decision
0: so it seems that a few things here if i heard what you mentioned just now right the first thing is actually ubiquitous language it's like almost every book i read every resource i read about domain driven design ubiquitous language is the first thing which also then translate into multiple things Bounded context, that's also another important aspect. Within the context itself, the ubiquitous language should also translate what you said is without any collision, without any clash of understanding of a particular term. So let's say a user you mentioned is in one bounded context. Yeah, it's clear what is the term used in this bounded context, but in another bounded context, it might mean something different depending on that context. And then another thing that you mentioned, the funny story about the integrating between two teams. I think what I understand is something related to like integration of the bounded context and what the book says, it's about context map, right? So how do you actually map between two bounded contexts? There are different ways of how you can integrate things like what you mentioned, partnership, customer supplier, conformist, and things like that. I hope you enjoyed this short clip from Techly Journal Favorite Playlist. If you find this episode useful, please help share it with your friends and colleagues. Who you think would also benefit from listening to this episode? And if you want to listen more from this conversation, please go back and listen to the original full conversation with my guest. Stay tuned for the next Tech Lead Journal episode, and until then, goodbye.